Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about change. So far on the podcast, I've spent a lot of time emphasizing love and acceptance of ourselves, of building or rebuilding our relationship with ourselves, but what does that mean in the context of change? Is wanting to change something about yourself or your life, is that rejecting yourself? Are the ideas of change and self-acceptance incompatible? Personally, I don't think so. As with most of the ideas we've explored together thus far, it really comes down to how you make changes in your life. The importance lies in how we treat ourselves while we make these changes, how we talk to ourselves, what tone do we use. It's important to ask yourself, are you making a change because you love yourself, because you care about yourself and you want good things for yourself? Or is it because you hate yourself and you're telling yourself things like, you better shape up, you need to get it together, what's wrong with you, why are you always like this? The intention and the emotionality behind your efforts really do matter. So no, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to change. Loving yourself also means wanting good things for yourself. In fact, I would say that's an excellent sign of self-love and self-acceptance. Just think about your favorite person in the world. And it doesn't have to be a person, it can be a beloved pet. Don't you want good things for them? Don't you want them to be happy and healthy? If they're sick, don't you want them to get better? Naturally, we want the world for those we care about. So it's also natural that we have that love toward ourselves, and therefore we want better for ourselves too. But how do we do that? In addition to making sure we stay in a space of self-care, not self-punishment, what things can we do to make change easier? Using myself as an example, one of the big changes I'm making right now is I'm trying to break my habit of worrying. If I had to give myself a a self-assessment right now, I would say that I'm a low to medium worrier, and that is only very recently. Even as soon as a few months ago, I used to be a major worrier. I would worry about every little thing. I would wonder if the worst was going to happen, if things were going to turn out how I wanted, whether it be my business or my house or whatever. It didn't really matter. I could find something to worry about. if I really tried, because worrying is a habit. And in my opinion, it's a bad habit. And so I've had to go through a process to break this habit or to at least diminish the hold that it has on me, because I wouldn't say that it's completely broken yet. I would say that I've gotten better, but I would not say that it's something that I have conquered. And because worrying is a habit, and I desire to make that change because I believe that I will be a healthier, happier quarry if I'm not a worrier. If I have more trust in my life, instead of worry, I think I will be better off. And so in my mind, that's a change that's made out of love. It's a change that I think will improve my quality of life, and it's done from a place of wanting to make things easier on myself, not harder. 
And this is the process or the steps that I've been going through to help me break this habit of worrying. The first thing I did was identifying the problem. I began to recognize what it was that I had wanted to change, what I thought the pith of the problem was, which is essentially that I had a bad habit of whenever something would happen, I would expect the worst instead of expecting things to work out in my favor. And so I wanted to change that knee-jerk reaction. But it was definitely necessary to pick one thing to work on at a time Because if you're anything like me, you might have many different aspects of your personality or your life that you would like to work on, but it's important to choose just one at a time. And this might help if you take a long-term view of your life. You're not going to fix everything by breakfast tomorrow, (laughs) which is exactly the kind of lie that I would tell myself if I was meditating to be very zen. For example, I might tell myself, well, surely I will reach nirvana by breakfast on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) which is unrealistic and don't be me, don't do what I do. So instead, I just tell myself that this is a lifetime of work. This is a great way to spend the rest of my life actually, getting to know myself, taking good care of myself. And so there's no need to rush this. There is no deadline. No one's going to stand over me with a whip demanding that I produce results by a certain time. So it's okay to take my time and to do this properly. And so even if you have more than a few things that you want to change in your life, start with the one that you think will have the most positive impact on you. For example, for me, I think if I wasn't a worrier, I would just be a lot more content in my day-to-day life. So that was my first choice. I'm also a fan of lists. So if you want to make a list, writing down everything that you think you'd like to change or discard from your life, But again, remembering that it should be done from a loving place, not a self-loathing place. Being mindful of the language that you use while you're making this list. And whatever you're putting down, make sure that it's kind. So whatever you're saying, you're thinking, you're writing about yourself, try to keep the language kind. But make a list, and then you can prioritize those changes based on what's most important to you at the moment. Like I did with my choice to focus on breaking the habit of worrying. Just because I felt like worry was such a pervasive issue. You know, it affects every aspect of my life. So if I could just break that, I feel like a lot of other issues and tensions would naturally relax. So that was my goal and ambition. And you probably have something on your list that spans into many different areas of your life as well. So you might prioritize that. For example, are you feeling discouraged lately? then you could pick a change that might be easiest to accomplish. That way you'll have a quick win to bolster your spirits and give you the encouragement and energy to keep going. Or if you're really suffering, then you could prioritize a goal based on what you think might bring you the most relief as soon as possible. Only you are going to know what matters the most to you and where you are right now emotionally and mentally. So once you make up that list, you need to decide how to prioritize it. I cannot tell you how to do that, but once you have an idea of what you think you'd like to change first, you've narrowed it down to the most immediate issue, then you can move on to step two. And step two is breaking down your goal into smaller steps. Do not be like me and think you're going to just muscle your way through this change. Let me be honest and admit that I am certainly guilty of having the subtlety of a wrecking ball (laughs) when it comes to making changes in my life. I tend to make a very big push right in the beginning. I'm very strict. I'm very hard on myself. And then I lose steam or I fall apart because 
it's too much pressure. It's asking too much of me at once. It's like jumping from level three to level 12 and wondering why the boss of that level just keeps killing me immediately. I have not built up the resources and stamina or skills to operate at that level yet. And so it's very important to take things step by step and to not get ahead of ourselves. I call this process integration. So if you work your way slowly, Again, staying with the idea of a video game, if you start on level 1 and then you work your way up to level 20, by the time you get to level 20, you will have fully integrated the skill level and the knowledge that you have acquired through the other levels. And integration is really important. So take my example about worrying. Right now, I'm trying to unlearn the habit of worrying, of fretting, of freaking out about things. And in order to do that, it means that I have to fully integrate with the opposing energy of worry, which is trust. And that's going to take time because life is always triggering us. It always challenges us, which means that we will react according to our habits and conditioning. It doesn't help me to say, I'm just going to not worry because that's an intellectual thought. (laughs) If we could make ourselves not do something just by telling ourselves not to do it, wouldn't that be lovely and easy? But it doesn't work that way. It only starts to work when you have fully integrated the idea into your habits to a point to where you would do that thing or not do that thing habitually, instinctually, so that now your default is to trust rather than to worry if we're staying with my example. So that will require that I have so much practice with trust that when I'm triggered and I feel like I'm in a situation where something bad could happen, that I could start worrying about that, but what I do instead is I reach for trust because that is my new default. And so if I bite off more than I can chew, if I try to rush through the steps, if I try to just blaze past this integration aspect, I won't fully integrate with the new habits or goals that I want. And so by breaking things down step by step, it accomplishes my objectives much easier. First of all, it makes my progress easier to manage. I don't get burnout as quickly. I get supporting evidence through the small wins that, yes, this is working good for me. It's a much healthier pace because it's more useful for me to be like, I can go one minute without worrying. <laughs> now I can go two minutes without worrying. Now I can go three minutes. And then, you know, a few months in, be like, look, I've gone a whole day and then a whole week and then a whole month without worrying. And I can see that measured progress and I can see that the chokehold that worry has had on me in the past is beginning to weaken because I'm beginning to practice trusting more and more and more. And that will in turn fuel my desire to keep working on it rather than pushing too hard, being overwhelmed, falling apart and being like, see, it never works. It's never going to get better. I'm not good at this. I'm just going to be like this for the rest of my life. Pushing too quickly or trying to rise above your skill level before you're ready just sets you up for disappointment and discouragement. It gives you a false narrative that you can't make change, which is not true. Absolutely, of course you can change things. It's also important to plan for setbacks. Remember in my episode about perfection that in order to see progress, you only need to trend upward. I believe I used the example of the stock market in that episode. If you look at the stock market for a famous company like Apple or Google in the last 10 years, you would see that their numbers didn't just go up and up and up and up in a straight line. It went up and down. But the reason why a business person would call it a successful business because it trended upward over time. 
if you zoom the graph out and you look at maybe like a five-year span, for example, you would see that it started in the lower left and went up to the upper right. And they call that success. And the same is true for you, that you only need to trend upward over time. And that means allowing for setbacks, allowing for the numbers to fall or to backslide at certain points and understanding that this is just a normal part of the process. It does not mean you're failing. It does not mean that you're never going to get there or that this isn't working. It's just what happened. It's a very normal part of the process, these setbacks. And when you do hit a setback or an unexpected trigger, know that it's a great opportunity to develop more awareness around your triggers, around your stuck points, so that you can avoid situations like that in the future, or at the very least, you can go into similar situations with a clear head. For example, I'm thinking of when I was trying to break my habit of bulimia. I was very tired of it. I didn't want to hurt myself anymore. And so I wanted to break the habit of binging and purging but I still have to buy groceries, (laughs) right? That's a human thing that humans do if we're fortunate enough to have the money to do so. And so I would go into a grocery store, but the bakery section is near the front. At least it was in the store where I lived at the time. And so as soon as I would walk in, that smell, that smell of sugar, buttery goodness would hit me as soon as I walked in. And that was one of my triggers. In that instance, all it took was that smell for me to start wrestling with the urge to buy a bunch of sweets and to go home and binge them, purge them. And so I immediately was at war with the old habit of being set off by this trigger versus my new desire to have a healthy relationship with food and with my body. Depending on what you're working on here, if it's something strong, like an addiction or a craving, you will have the chance to gain more awareness around what situations aren't so great for you even in moments where you feel like you might be messing up. When I was in the store and I'm struggling with this feeling, I'm like, oh my gosh, so see, I'm weak. But really what I'm developing was an awareness of, okay, I need to be careful in situations like this. And so you really can't lose. If you can find the wisdom in these triggers, if you can gain more awareness about yourself and your situation, that information will help you make better choices. So there is no losing in situations like that. So go easy on yourself. And then the third step is consistency. Whatever you're trying to do, do it every day, if only for a little bit. Say you're trying to get into the habit of doing yoga or journaling or meditating. It's much better to do two minutes of yoga or meditation every day than only do it for 30 minutes once a week. Because again, we're aiming for integration. We're aiming for habitual patterns, healthy habitual patterns. We want our changes to become second nature And that's really only possible with consistency, doing something repetitiously over and over again. I've also had great luck with pairing my new habits with old habits. So for example, I finally got into the habit of flossing every day, (laughs) which is not something I have always done for my whole life. But I did get into the habit of flossing every day because I paired the act of flossing with something that I was doing every day already. In the morning, I have a skincare routine and there's three or four steps. And so now flossing is part of that routine because I'll floss between putting on my moisturizer or my serum. And so it's just habitual for me to reach for the floss that's in the same basket making it easy for myself. It's in the same basket as my skincare products. So I reach over, I grab my floss, and I'm flossing while my skincare serum is drying on my face. And that has become habitual. So much so that I'm yelling at my wife if the floss disappears. (laughs) Because she 
hardly ever puts things back where they go. And so if I reach into the basket and the floss isn't there, I know she's carted it off somewhere like a squirrel. So there, there are other situations that can impede me. But for the most part, if the floss is there, I will use it every day. And so it might not be a bad idea for you to look at whatever your current habits are. Maybe you make a cup of coffee religiously every morning. Maybe you lay out your clothes the night before. Whatever you do that you do every day, you can try pairing something with it to help you get into the groove of doing that other new habit at the same time. And then step four is also really important in recognizing what holds you back from making changes. It's possible that you're trying to make changes and for some reason it's just not gaining traction. And that could be that there's very real interference in what you're trying to do. Usually it's either a self-limiting belief or it might just be that you're encountering too much resistance from your environment or from the people around you or even from your own mind, which makes the progress impossible to achieve. A self-limiting belief is when we assume something is true about ourselves or the world, but it might not really be true. In fact, it's usually not true. That's why we call it a self-limiting belief. And that could sound like, I'm too dumb to go back to school, or I'm too ugly to find a loving partner or get married, I'm too weak to get out of this relationship or to end this relationship that's bad for me. I'm sure you can hear the self-loathing, the self-aggression in the statements, but there's also a lot of subtle statements that we don't realize are self-rejecting, like, no one is ever going to love me, or I'm going to be stuck in this job that I hate forever. These are also self-limiting beliefs that keep us stuck and prevent us from making changes. So if you're trying to make a change but nothing is happening, I encourage you to use your journal or a bit of self-talk to explore what your limiting beliefs might be. And there's a lot of resources on the internet about identifying and working with self-limiting beliefs, so definitely do some searching if you want to learn more about this. But it's important to know if you're telling yourself some lies right now, and because you're telling yourself these things, are your changes half-hearted, or are you meeting too much resistance in order to make the meaningful progress that you need to make in order to find the energy and encouragement to go on? If you do journal every day, you could also try looking at your entries and see what language you're using. Or you could ask your friends if there are things that you say that sound defeatist or pitiful. There's a lot of ways to do reconnaissance here because often we can't see our own self-limiting beliefs clearly. So it's true that we have to approach it at an unusual angle and sort of surprise it into the light. Like, aha! <laughs> Got you! <laughs> so don't be afraid about looking at the things that you're thinking, looking at what you're telling yourself, and asking yourself, am I the problem? <laughs> Is my mind what's keeping me stuck? And if it's not a self-limiting belief or beliefs, because it could be plural, that's holding you back, it could be the people around you. I have encountered this a lot when I started to make changes in my life because my family was still very toxic because a lot of my friends were still trapped in their own trauma cycles. I lost a lot of people when I started making changes. I was called all sorts of names. I was accused of thinking that I'm better than other people. I mean, specifically, I remember my uncle, the same uncle, yes, who killed my mother in the Who Killed My Mother podcast. He had heard something from my mom at some point, I guess, in which she told him I was going to apply to medical school or something, which never happened. <laughs> but that was like the rumor at the time when I was 16 or 17. And he was like, oh, so you think you're so much better than this family now? And that's a very normal reaction to people who are stuck, who are in toxic patterns themselves, and they find out that other people around them have ambitions or goals. And so don't be surprised if the people around you are contributing to your stuckness. Because people don't like it when their friends and family members start to change, when they start to improve their lives. 
Because if you can make changes, then they're going to have to start looking at themselves and asking why they're not making changes. And it's usually because they have their own beliefs, they have their own patterns. And as I've said many, many times on the show already, not everyone is ready to make a change. Not everyone wants to change or wants to heal or to get better. And so it's easier for them to try to keep you stuck (laughs) than to work through their own crap. They might be thinking something like, I would like you to stay down in the mud with me. Because if you go on and get all of your dreams, then that means I have no reason to complain about where I am. Because obviously I could have been doing this work too, but I didn't. And I'm not trying to shame anyone who struggles to do the work or who is in a stuck place. I have absolutely been there. I have no room to judge. But I'm just saying that you might encounter this resistance if you are the one in your group or in your circle who starts to make changes first. Don't be surprised if the people you love are like, what are you doing? (laughs) How dare you try to make yourself happy? (laughs) And the resistance that you encounter from these people will be a good reflection of how much toxicity there is in your environment. So just don't be surprised if the people around you want you to keep doing what you've always done, if they want to keep the person that they like complaining to. And just don't be surprised if they say really discouraging things like, why? Why would you want to do that? It's never going to work. Why bother? Do not listen to these people because they're letting their own fears and limiting beliefs add resistance to what you're trying to do. They're trying to discourage you because they want you to stay stuck with them. They might be adding weight and resistance to your situation that you're not recognizing. And so it may not be all you. It might also be the people around you who are making things harder on you. There's also good advice for making changes from Leo Barbuda on his blog zenhabits.net. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes of this episode. I liked his blog quite a bit when it was really popular a few years ago. His minimalist style appeals to me, so maybe you'll like it too. Who knows? I also bought his book Zen Habits many years ago, and I still reference that from time to time. And so maybe you'll find value in his words as well. I just wanted to make that recommendation because sometimes you guys leave me notes and comments that you would like more book recommendations. So the book recommendation I would have to this idea of making change would be Zen Habits. It's a great book. But all in all, just remember that change takes time. Please pace yourself. Do whatever you can to keep your spirits up. Don't let yourself get discouraged just because you don't see the results you want to right away. And be consistent. Whatever you decide to do, do it every day, even if a little bit, and certainly something will happen for you. Okay, dear human, that is all I have for you today. Before I sign off, I would like to remind you that I've opened up the show to questions, so if you have a specific question or situation you want me to offer my thoughts on, you can email me at cory at coryamstrom.com, which will be linked in the show notes of this episode. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human, and until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.